In the darkness of Doncaster cinema, Bob Beatty let out a loud wail into his stolen bag of popcorn and on the spot decided to be a good bloke, just the soul earth type. And the change of heart was brought on by the gut-wrenching final scene of the film called Battle of Cosmic Rice. As Rick Digger, holding an M60 in both muscle-brad arms, dove into Ron... Uh, Lon Rice Tan and the final credits roll and so Beatty was sobbing and he made his way to the front of the cinema and howled in the confused audience of space invaders that he would leave his scumbag ways behind and become a good man the type that would get invited to a decent level party screaming to a point at bursting blood vessel in his eyeballs Beatty promised to become a combination of the aggression of Princess Di with the compassion of Bond Scott, a kind of Di-Scott mix. Overnight, the box hill Boris Yeltsin set out to do good. To the shock of us citizens in the nocturnal village, used to preparing to be robbed, conned or skinned at any moment by Beatty, the rotten lizard began a majestic campaign of do-gooding, just real sour do-gooding, creeping through gardens to check that members of the public bedroom windows were locked, hanging around public toilets in a urine-soaked singlet and mirror glasses to stop those creepy loiterers from hanging around. The dirty birds, executing violent punching sessions to clear undesirables off the blue tone, blue stones with helicopter punches. He was determined to turn Box Hill into a Stalingrad siege of morality. A kind of tidy town, exemplar. His campaign of destructive and murderously muscular self-development soon spilled over into the nocturnal village. Determined to also turn us dingo deadbeats into good blokes like him, he fast turned the culture of the nocturnal village on his hungover head. We were woken at the break of dawn, shocked out of our beds at 10 a.m. by Beatty waving our faces, waving in our faces his chainsaw of positivity. And he was he had a bag of Vegemite, small 250-gram Vegemite jars that he was just chucking at everybody. And um, was busting up the walls and some got a cut or a bruise on the temple or the throat. He would then drill marches for two hours while his new leather-clad commandment, Roger Coldeye, screamed at us. He just so laughed like, ah! just uh, really hurt your ears and just rung out at a decibel, just, just freak you out and just... What? What? I can hear the toilet music. Why is that toilet music? I can hear. I can hear the excellent toilet music playing. I can hear the excellent toilet music. Bloody excellent. Um. Yeah, so he, uh, 
we've thrown that Vegemite around and actually even invented a new type of Vegemite with a no salt, zero salt content. Um, but Coldline screamed at us excerpts from Dale Summers' history of the bubonic plague of Richmond. Uh, a good book, a little overly academic for my liking, but a good uh, body of research went into that. For the rest of the day, Beatty would force us to watch Triumph of the Will while Cold Iron burned a replica of an Ewok, whilst encouraging us to scream insults at our unemployment. This new turbocharged Incan Beatty had wrestled leadership of the nocturnal village of the great white hunky hulk of the east. His assault on our depressed state of joblessness would see him attempt to bring heavy metal industry back to Box Hill and turn our commune of metho mayhem into a pie factory. Heavy metal pies was something new, but something that one of those ideas when you thought about it in hindsight, you thought, well, why didn't I think of that? What are you doing over there? What are you doing? What are you doing? Stop vomiting, guys. Keep it down. Keep it down your throat. Well, Matt, tell you what. Enraged by rumours heard on the Bluestones that the prism had found a rat's tail in his four and twenty, Beatty flew into what can only be described as a righteous rage full of righteous anger, declaring there and then that he would start making real bushranger pies with good old-fashioned excellence. And in contrast to the big corporations, Beatty's bushranger pies will be guaranteed to have no frickin' rat mate. And that's how he became known as the Bush Raider. And he would bush rate his meat pies from top to bottom, left to right. From port to starboard and bow to stern. He knew his meat pies and he knew what to look for. Armed with rabid, the hate yabby rat rifle, Fuzzburn and I were sent out for what Beatty described as a definite suicide mission to provide his meat for his fair dinkum pies. Rats, mice, Victorian health ministers, possums, cats, dingoes, wombits, pterodactyls were all on his wish list. However, before he could begin our urban game hunting events, took a drastic turn. Fastburn's plans to fund his operation through government grants didn't receive the backing he had hoped, either at the government level or local business, although he had attempted on numerous times to present applications to local milk bars and second-hand car dealers, and also the postman who he asked for a small grant. But none was successful until he applied to the 1991 VFA Grand Final Committee at the Box Hill Football Ground. Beatty had planned to streak across the ground during a play with no frickin' rat meat tattooed across his back and partly onto his waist. Yet, Here's the problem, and this is the sad bit, I reckon. Yet, disaster struck halfway across the field. Beatty, unfit as a boulder after years of unemployment, tore his gluteus maximus apart. After viewers of the ABC coverage had recovered, used to a televisual diet of English elderly knitting, 
screamed in horror as a decrepit 38-year-old butt split in half, muscle ripped apart like the cow being chopped by meat cleaver at the end of the Acropolis Now with Marilyn Wayans. Good bloke, Beatty, disappeared as the sheer agony of his ruined backside and local business community, community humiliation. So Beatty returned to even greater depths of barbed wire hatred and nightmare skullduggery. In the end, his wound was fixed at the local Mitre 10 hardware store with super glue and wire. He tied it up with wire to sh keep the show on the road. His business operations now reduced to the selling of bootleg cigarettes to toddlers, tiny babies and little children catching buses at the central depot. Of course, into this power vacuum I rushed like Ricky May into the Channel 9 canteen and again began my screaming, muscular, sweaty battle with cold iron for control of the DSS Death Star known as the Nocturnal Village. But more on that next time.